Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, gents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel, The Nature of Predators. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Memory Transcript Subject Slenek Venlil Space Corps Date Standardized Human Time September 23-2136 Thanks to the destruction of Gojid military outposts, human forces were able to waltz through their systems without challenge. Piri recalled all vessels to protect their cradle world, which meant that attack on Earth was postponed. With their border detention system and complex defense network offline, their only play was to hold their core planets. The rambunctious behavior of the humans on the transport ride to the Gojit homeworld struck me as odd, their vulgarity multiplied by an exponential factor. Once we were amongst the regular soldiers, the outpost visitors never made such explicit or demeaning comments. Even Marcel made some quips to his counterparts that came across as downright cruel. But they just laughed it off. I was beginning to realize that these predators may have toned themselves down as to not exacerbate our fears. How can they mess around at a time like this? Don't they know what they're walking into? My human was playing some game with his new friend. Tyler, which was difficult for me to spectate. As I observed, my buddy's on-screen avatar shot an enemy while gunfire sound effects blared from the speakers. Marcel's laser-focused expression became gleeful, and his counterpart cursed. The screen shifted to a replay, which showed a bullet penetrating the avatar's head from a side angle. The body dropped in slow motion, as though the game was glamorizing its demise. Why would Terrans want to simulate murder and warfare for fun? I hated seeing my friend conduct himself in such a predatory manner. It was disconcerting, to say the least. Come to think of it, the ruckus the predators were creating caused me discomfort in general. I really wanted a hug, and for them to turn off that uncivilized game. However, I didn't want to embarrass my Terran friend by collapsing into his grip. That would put him in an uncomfortable position, according to my recent reading. Human males were taught not to display emotion in public. Marcel grinned as Tyler called him obscenities, and my ears drooped against my head. I was hyper-aware that I was the only Venlil on the ship. I felt neglected and alone in this awful cage. We're less than an hour away from our destination, Slenek. You need to get yourself together. I slipped away while the red-haired human was distracted and locked myself in the lavatory. My snuffling echoed through the chamber as full-throated sobs racked my body. Why couldn't I just be happy that my friend was improving? It was idiotic to think that Marcel needed me. There were too many rowdy predators here, and I was going to get in the way. Whatever bonding had occurred between us, my species was too emotional and sensitive. I could never be one of his kind. It was more enjoyable for him to hang with his own people. Maybe my human was bored of me, now that the alien novelty had worn off. Had I been suffocating the redhead when I shepherded his recovery, my sentimentality must be grating on his nerves. All we were to the Terrans was a burden. They had to be gentle with Vendel and couldn't be their true selves. Slanek! A rapping sound emanated from the frame, and Marcel's agitated voice trickled into my ears. Surprise tingled in my chest that he even noticed my departure. Slenek, open the door. G go away, I growled. Regret pulsed through my mind instantly, but it was too late to take the words back. I didn't want to hurt him, 
will put you away. But if this is what Sarah meant when she warned me not to call him a monster, I needed to let him make new friends, if that was what helped his recovery, even if it meant replacing me. I can't do that. The human tugged on the sliding door, making the frame wobble. Don't make me kick this door down, you big fluffer. I blinked away the tears and tried to collect myself. My claws hooked on the locking mechanism and began to unclasp it. Marcel pushed his way inside the second it opened and knelt beside me. His hazel eyes softened when he looked at me, judging. By the irritation, my eyes were red and puffy. Are you okay? Did I do something wrong? He whispered. I shook my head. No. The video games bother you. You think it's senseless and violent, predatory. Yeah, but that's not why I'm crying. A at least... I, I don't think so. So, uh, you're homesick? No, no not really. Uh, don't, don't worry about me. It, it, it's stupid. The human crossed his arms and raised his eyebrows. The unwavering look he gave me stated, I'm not budging until you spill. A tear strayed down my trick. You, you've been different ever since we got on the ship, Barker. I feel like you don't want me here. Marcel recoiled like he'd been snapped and stared at me in silence. My heart sank. The soldier wasn't denying it. The human finally shook his head and chuckled, a stubborn grin clinging to his face. How could even a predator find that amusing? A snarl tugged at my lips. D don't laugh at me. I am going to laugh at you when you say something fecking dumb, he snorted. How is it dumb? It's like you've lost all the interest in talking to me or doing anything together. Slenek, you've been avoiding me with a ten-foot pole. You haven't so much as wagged your tail at me, and it's suddenly like any contact with me repulses you. So I've been keeping my distance and trying to figure out what I did. Huh? D don't you want your, your, your personal space? I, I read a lot of books on human psychology to prep for this trip. They said that you have an aversion to close contact. I didn't want to pester or, or embarrass you in front of the other guys. We have a problem with other humans in our bubble, but you, you're fine because you're cute. Look, anyone that objects to me cuddling you is probably the type of person that kicks puppies for fun, so they can feck right off. A chuckle trilled from my throat. All the predatory stresses compounded my emotions, and it hadn't even occurred to me that I was the one who withdrew. Marcel was only respecting what he saw as my wishes. I squinted at him. You're having more fun with the other humans, though. You look so happy. And uh, I don't want you to be... I'm just trying to get to know the guys. We're going to be fighting alongside them. I don't want everyone to treat me like some charity case because I'm... Marcel trailed off, pointing to his pink scars. That's all I'm known for, Slinek. I don't want that. That doesn't define you. Anyone who thinks it does can feck right off, to use your phrase. You're right. I'm sorry if I made you feel excluded, buddy. I'm sorry, too. All is forgiven. So, uh, now that we're good, uh, uh, can I pick you up? As soon as he saw my ears flick, Marcel scooped me up in his arms. I felt joy as he carried me to the couch, unashamed of our bond. The Predator switched off the game console, noticing my sigh of relief. I wasn't sure I wanted to be in his grip while he focused on simulated death. Come on, man, we had one more round, Tyler protested. I felt sorry for you, mercy rule. Marcel scratched my forehead. The other soldiers smiled at me too. Somehow. The expression looked much more ferocious on his lips than my human's. Besides, our room was plunged into darkness as the light snapped out in unison. The transport lurched beneath my paws 
and the long-limbed human reached for nearby furniture to steady themselves. Gojit orbital defenses must have nailed us, which meant that we'd entered their orbit. In the dim light, the predators' faces were cloaked in shadow. It bore a striking resemblance to our prehistoric beasts, lurking in the night. The only thing I could see was the faint glow of Malsal's eyes and the rapid movement of his arms. He draped me over his shoulder while terror numbed my mind. I could hardly even squirm in his sperm grip. Not that my body was obeying my brain's commands. I wanted to protest, but couldn't manage anything more than squeaks of gibberish. Slenek, don't pass out. You didn't against the Axel. You're supposed to be watching out for Mark, I scolded myself. Do you have to freeze every time you're in imminent danger? How are you going to make it in a war zone? Another tremor powdered the transport, and the overhead seeding creaked. The shields buzzed from the impact's dispersal, but some of the damage trickled through. This Goja barrage meant an early departure for Terran soldiers launching to the surface. The main vessel wasn't going to be able to get us as close as they wanted. I'm surprised the Gojas found us so soon, Tyler barked. What about the ships we sent ahead as decoys to draw their defense away? I lowered my ears. I'm sure they predicted your predatory tactics, ruses, and deceit. That's all, you guys. Marcel's fingers tightened around my stomach. You don't have to make it sound nefarious, Lenek. Everything we do isn't predator this, predator that. We just wanted a tactical advantage. Mel, you are a predator, whether you like it or not. I don't mean it to be unkind, I responded. The Oxor are ambush predators. We've been conditioned to expect them to use stealth and lure us away. Tyler snorted. We're not ambush predators, though. We're pisses. Shut the feck up! I gaped as Marsal jabbed a heel into the other human's boot and caused Tyler's words to break off. Don't you dare finish that sentence. Oh, crap. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I I wasn't thinking. Wait, you're what? I asked in his attentive voice. Marcel, why did you stop him? You're, you're, you're scaring me. Roaring like that. My eyes had adjusted to the lighting enough to see my human gritting his teeth. I'd been around the Terrans long enough to know that was no smile. It was too strained. He was terrified that immediate disclosure would freak me out. What secret was Marcel hiding? Didn't humans have to be ambush predators primarily? All of our scientists were certain that was their only viable hunting strategy. They were slow, and their brains were their only advantage. Do you trust me, Slanek? He whispered. I nuzzled into his shoulder. Yes. Marcel turned into the hangar bay. Do you think I'm a... An abomination, like Sovlin and Zondard. No. No, you know I don't. Well, I'd like to keep it that way. I'll tell you, but not right now. Then it can be our secret, okay? Fine, but, but I'm not going to forget. My friend sighed and scratched his fresh buzz cut with frustration. I could tell from how his strides quickened that he didn't want to convey that information at all. Something about his whole exchange unsettled me deep in my bones. Wouldn't any explanation of humanity's evolution be a good thing? In their position, I would want to put as many scientific questions to rest as I could. It would help the galactic leaders make an informed decision about Terran society and inclinations. Marcel set me on the floor and slipped a bulky harness over his shoulders. I scrutinized his body language, trying to determine why he wouldn't confide in me. If anything, not defaulting to ambush predations distanced humanity from the Ark saw. What could be more heinous than stealth? Now on the topic of trust, the red-haired human began. I'm going to strap you into my vest and sedate you. Everything will be all right. 
I promise. What? I scrambled backwards and collided with tail first with Tyler. Why? You don't need to knock me out. Mossal cinched his vest straps. You know we're jumping out of a shuttle from the upper atmosphere. I don't think you want to be awake for that. What? You? What? No, I, I, I thought that was a joke. We don't joke about our crazy military shit. Tyler chuckled. My entire body quivered with dread, and my tail bunched up between my legs. Bile rose my throat, a byproduct of the nausea racking my stomach. This was suicide. Nobody in their right mind, or even the Oxal, would choose to freefall from the clouds. Tree-dwelling predators like the humans should have some fear of heights, or at least the slipping to their deaths. Maybe that's what kind of predators they are, leaping from gate heights onto their prey. You won't remember any of it, Marsal insisted, creeping towards me. You'll just go to sleep, and you'll wake up on the ground. Leaving you here is not an option, okay? The Terran ship pitched to the side as it was pounded by another enemy assault. The shields rendered a negligible difference this time, and the thunderous jolt made my molars rattle. I squeezed my eyes shut and tried to think. My options were to go up in flames or to enter a drug-induced state of helplessness as a predator dragged me towards the ground. The only image in my mind was myself as a splat of blood on the pavement. What if the sedative wore off before our deaths, and my last moments were hurtling through purple skies at terminal velocity? I just couldn't do it, even for Marcel. I was going to tell the humans to leave me, and then figure out something else. As a Ben Lil, there was always the option for me to surrender myself. The Gojids would take me as a prisoner if I took a shuttle over there alone. There was a prick on my neck, and I yelped at the unexpected pain. My eyes blinked open to see Marcel stooped beside me, inserting a needle into my skin. The human already unloaded the entire syringe. With the tranquilizers flowing through my veins, I was going to be at the predator's mercy. A scream of horror came out of my throat. No, please, don't, Mark. My eyes felt impossibly heavy, and my vision shrank to a pinhole. The last thing I remembered was collapsing into the human's arms, certain that he was about to kill us both. End of chapter. Chapter 22. Memory transcript subject. Slenek Venlil Space Corps. Date standardized human time September 23rd, 2136. I stirred to an array of screams, chaotic and unhinged, the perishing squeals of prey falling at predators' claws. My ears keyed into pounding paw steps on the grass. Those were unmistakable thumbs of animals running around in terror. Bullet spurts were also a constant, cropping up from both scattered Terran friendlies and lucid gojids. I'm alive, and I think I'm in one piece. Hooray! By the look of it, the enemies were fleeing from a military base by the hundreds. It seemed to be 50-50 split, which of the gojids were fighting and which were on the run. All the sentries and watchtowers set up to counter previous Arxal's siege were useless against an aerial drop. It was embarrassingly easy for the Terran forces to take control of the military institution and continue to expand their perimeter. There were no organized responses like the humans expected from the predominant Federation power. No one accounted for predators falling from the sky and landing smack dab in the middle of their fortresses. Many Gojid soldiers were in a panic. Several had tossed their weapons aside even as officers tried to restore order. A few individuals were lying prostrate on the ground Others ran for seemingly unharmed ground vehicles, only to find the devious humans slashed the tires. Anyone who fled to buildings for shelter was tracked by a Terran breach team, 
Predatory soldiers rushed the quarry out, adept in the art of clearing structures. Their arboreal roots only bolstered their mastery of ground warfare. There was no safe haven amidst this shocking incursion. The Gojits at least had a chance against the Oxal. They could shoot down their shuttles, scout for their traps, and prepare for their advances, I thought. This is something else. This degree of surprise factor will only work once. It was horrifying to look around at the enemy corpses littering the premises. Many were riddled with bullets, mowed down without remorse by the ravenous Terran troopers. The ghastly sights of organs perforating skin and blood pooling from agonized soldiers sickened me to the core. Predators were simply everywhere, corralling their prey to perfection. Was this really what humans practiced throughout their history? Was that disposition hardwired into their DNA? Slinek, you're awake! Tyler's voice came from behind me, making me jump. Take it easy. At least let the drugs wear off. We'll get you a pistol when you're more alert. Panic seized my heart. Where? Where is Marcel? Over there, he replied, pointing. Marcel was laying on the side while the communicator pressed to his face. A scoped rifle was tucked under his armpit, poised to pick off any gojits attempting to return to the battle. The human found a group of enemy soldiers assembling out of his range and watched with unblinking eyes. He barked out coordinates in a throaty snarl. A small aircraft, which didn't seem large enough to fit a patrol, descended over the enemy gathering. Its dimensions were minuscule enough to evade Gojit's air defense. I assumed it was some sort of Terran murder robot. Sure enough, kinetic fire rained down with incessant whirring, followed by a succinct missile explosion. Smoke accumulated in the air as body parts, guts, and earth were dispelled from the epicenter. The humans didn't want the enemy to have time to form ranks or generate a plan. This is their military, Marcel muttered. When we landed and their fellow soldiers started to be taken out around them, there was just a mass panic. I... I don't understand. You're seeing truth here. Everything becomes free-for-all, and you just lose your sense of self, I growled. Forget reason, or thought, you're just drowning. The concept of a stampede was intuitive as blinking or breathing to any decent-sized herbivore. In situations where bizarre and unanticipated threats took hold, it was easy to sink into a mindless daze. Feeling surrounded, races of notable intelligence were reduced to a herd of primitive animals. Every instinct demands to run, but you don't know where to run. One person races off in a direction and pandemonium erupts. Everyone follows their lead because they don't know what else to do. Individuals like me, with an inclination to freeze, often got trampled as collateral. When I joined the Venlil Space Corps, a good chunk of our training was dedicated to overriding our fightly instincts. Virtual reality simulations of the Arxor closing in on all sites were common. A commander couldn't manage a total breakdown of military order, with soldiers fleeing the battlefield in droves. The predators startled the young Gojit conscripts and simultaneously closing off escape routes set up the perfect scenario for a stampede. Honestly... That was where large herbivores were at their most dangerous. Raw instinct could encourage groups to plow through the threat. Humans concentrated fire on any Goja clusters charging, causing them to turn away. I hope you can forgive me for dragging you out of a spacecraft against your will. Marcel pursed his lips. It, uh, it wasn't my first choice. I'm glad you're not hurt. My ears laid back against my head, unsettled by the notion. That would have been awful to wake up and find that out. Ah, oh, Tyler purred, 
with a monstrous grin. The Venlil are really sweet, aren't they? I kind of want one. Don't phrase it like that. Venlil are good companions, but they are not something you fucking own, my predator growled. Despite their chatter, neither of the humans' eyes left the battlefield. A group of gojured soldiers were hiding behind a large tree, a few hundred paces away. These hostiles retained their wits enough to shoot at any Terrans in the vicinity. Straight rounds impacted the hillock, whiskers shy of our position, and forced the predators to hunger down. Marcel's breathing hitched, and his gun barrel swiveled in slight increments, calling in the coordinates would waste precious seconds. The primate thought that he could take their shot himself. One finger crept over to the trigger, as a hint of a smirk tugged in his face. Was my friend enjoying the skirmish? Perhaps as much as those video games. There is another side of him, to all humanity, that I didn't appreciate. I'd be curious if we ran those famed brain experiments right now. Their regression is concerning. They look, uh, hungry. Tyler followed his partner's lead, pressing his chin into the dirt. A blonde-haired male lined up his own shot, and the two humans synced their motions. Ever the cooperative pack predators. They placed a pair of bullets through their target's heads in quick succession. I recoiled in disgust as I saw how pleased the Terrans were with themselves. There shouldn't be anything enjoyable about murder. Base air defenses are disabled and under UN control. Unit 13 proceed into Gojit Merchant Settlement. We expect hostile reinforcements by nightfall. A male voice on the other end of the radio crackled to life. Commence occupation of the city and establish a base of operations when the area is secure. Be advised civilians are fleeing in mass. My jaw almost dropped to the dirt. Mine was the Terran commander advising his troops of the civilians fleeing, so that they can pick them off or intercept him. Those were families vacating their homes with tiny children. Terrified people who didn't want to end up as a predator's evening supper. Slenek, the CO said that we should use discretion which targets we shoot. It's difficult to tell fleeing civilian from an army of cowards right now, Marcel grunted, without even turning his head. Sometimes I wonder what you think we are. The only civilians we want are political figures. I blinked in confusion. Did I say that out loud? I was certain I hadn't. It was almost like the human could read my mind. My thoughts must be quite transparent. Most likely, the unnerved emotions I'd showed on my face. This warfare business left me shaken. Since they showcased the ruthless predator in them all. Why are you invading the settlement then? I stammered. Seizing this particular city will disrupt their supply chain. Forcing a surrender is what we want. Without a long-term conflict. We can't occupy every square inch of a planet. We have to be selective in our targets. The two humans dusted themselves off. And crawled back down to the grassy knoll. My heartbeat raced as we packed in with the rest of their unit. Many dilated eyes turned towards me with interest. In stark contrast to the vessels I served on, there was not a single soldier panicking or crying. There was an unnatural amount of composure and structure. My mind wandered as we exited the north gate, trundling towards a walled settlement. Ground vehicles, which my human explained had been airdropped as well, served as an armored method to clear the path. It was a short ride to the city outskirts. There was so much carnage. I saw a handful of Terrans dragging an enemy away with a bag over their head. Oh, what are you going to do with, with the surrendering Gojids and the wounded ones? I blurted. You, you see the people with the Red Cross band on their sleeves? Those are medics, Tyler explained. If you get hurt by those spiky freaks, God forbid, go see them. Marcel sighed. 
Anyone who surrenders is being held as a prisoner. We're treating any human and gojit soldiers still alive. Our procession rolled to an unforeseen halt. Tree branches, barricades, and spike strips were laid out in this desperate attempt to obstruct the road. The Terrans disembarked their vehicles, and Marcel propped my paws around his neck to spare me from walking. My stomach lurched as I got a glimpse inside the settlement. There were two roads out of the city, according to the maps the Vendel intelligence provided. The main gate was large enough to fit three vehicles side by side. With tens of thousands of people trying to evacuate, it turned into a bottleneck. Civilian corpses were splayed by the gates, and others were beaten badly enough to be immobilized. Many of the bodies were children. The skulls cracked open and limbs shattered to pieces. Half-conscious individuals staggered or crawled away from the approaching soldiers. They were fish in a barrel, as the Terrans say. Did the predators do this? Was Marcel lying about his commander's intent? I realized, as we drew closer, that several of the cuts looked like claw marks, and their paw prints were stamped into the blood pools. This was the aftermath of a city-wide stampede, not a predatory massacre. The inhabitants' desperation to escape before the predators' arrival was something I could only imagine. The humans, to their credit, didn't seem jubilant about the civilian casualties. Holy shit, Tyler breathed. Marcel lowered his rifle. What kind of parents leaves their child behind, Slinek? To bleed out in the streets. I bowed my head in shame. I... I thought you guys did that for a second. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. My human ignored me with a huff and marched over to one of the Gojid children. She was crying for her mother while tears poured down her face. Her leg was pulverized from prolonged trampling and the cuts laced her body. Marcel knelt down behind the kid, removing his helmet in a slow motion. Hi, sweetie. My, my name's Marcel. What's your name? Don't, don't eat me. Help. Mommy. Mommy. She sobbed. Nobody's gonna hurt you. The human removed a Venlil plushie with oversized features from his stuffle bag. He handed it to the child and a patient look in his eyes. What's your name? I wasn't even going to ask why the primate was carrying the toy on his person. The gojid toddler eyed it with suspicion before hugging the soft fluff against her body. My presence, riding on the scary predator's back, might serve as a soothing factor as well. Nulia, she said with a sniffle. My mom says you're bad people. Th that's a pretty name, Nulia. Parents are wrong about a lot of things, Marcel replied. Nulia whined in pain. Well, where did you get those scars, Marcel? You look mean. One of your officers tortured him because he looked scary, I growled. Marcel had some nerve to be born with the forward-facing eyes. They threw him in a cage, electrocuted him, and... Sir Neck, she's a child. The human drew an inhaler from his pack and passed it to Nudia. Breathe this. It'll help with the pain. You were hurt just because your eyes are ugly. She suckled on the canister, surveying the predator with earnestness. That doesn't seem fair. Marcel blinked, a far-off look in his gaze. It's not fair at all. Humans just want your leaders not to kill us. We're here to stop them from destroying our homes and our loved ones. Other humans were tending the downed civilians as well, scrambling to set up temporary medical tent. There was the side of the predators I was fond of, the empathic naturers. That wasn't the typical flavor of the Arxal siege. No rogue soldiers were attempting to sample gojit flesh or salivating at the blood. With the greys, the cost of surrender was always higher than fighting on, no matter how steep the penalties. 
If they saw Terran Mercy, the Gojid Union might be willing to admit defeat. The actual evidence suggested these predators were civilized, with rules and boundaries. So, um, if you, if you don't want to eat me, uh, can, can you fix my leg? Nulia asked. My friend's gaze lit up. Yeah, we'll try to find your parents after. The human had no motive to help, yet their trained killers were falling over themselves to render life-saving aid. It was striking how their instincts led them to prioritize and coddle the children. It was like this across the globe. The Terran civilian policy would worm its way into local broadcasts. Wouldn't it be ironic if the tide of public opinion began to shift? Captain Somblin must be having a coronary right about now. End of chapter. Chapter 23. Memory Transcript Subject, Slenek Vinyl Space Corps. Date, standardized human time, September 27th, 2136. Waves of Gojit reinforcements arrived after the Predator's initial takeover. The human strategic advantage was that they could be illiberal when herding artillery into enemy ranks. Our opponents were more hesitant, bearing the knowledge that civilians were trapped within city limits. To their credit, the Grojids adapted to the novel predatory tactics quickly. To counteract the unmanned UN ships, a fresh troops carried out manual surface-to-air missile launches that made precision strikes a more challenging affair. From what I heard, most Gojid politicians escaped to an unknown bunker location, which meant the Terrans were also thwarted on their main objective. The humans resolved to hold their perimeter, exacting a heavy price in blood for every inch they were forced to concede. They took up guard and positions with open sightlines and made Gojid advances suicide. With neither side able to make progress, the situation became a standoff. Our rivals must be steaming at their failure to reclaim any significant landmarks. Slenek, you need to eat something. You haven't touched your plate. We're on next watch, Tyler mumbled through a mouthful of food. The blonde human was shoveling brown crumbs into his gullet, one after the other. This person that I knew and traveled with was consuming meat, real, actual flesh bits, like it was the most ordinary thing in the world. No wonder Marcel had taken Nudia away for mealtime, and told me I should eat alone. I didn't want to be impolite when Tyler asked if I wanted company. The thought hadn't even crossed my mind that he would indulge in such a savage feast. My appetite vanished as soon as I saw him bite into those rations. There were so many animal pieces contaminating the entire meal. The queasiness in my stomach was swelling upwards like a thrashing wave of high tide. He's eating a burnt skin and muscle of a dead animal, crunching it between his fangs. Thacking hell, I cursed internally. This predator is swallowing those carcasses shavings without hesitation. He's enjoying it even. Acid gurgled in my throat and I spewed my stomach contents onto the ground. The human's blue eyes widened in alarm and he rushed to my side. The flesh-eating beast patted my back, whispering soothing words. He dabbed a towel against my mouth, wiping off the vomit specks. It's okay, buddy, Tyler hummed. I, I didn't realize you were sick. How could this predator try to emulate normal behavior after what he just did? All I could think was that he was a disgusting animal, and that he was probably breathing flesh particles onto my neck. It was all I could do to not kick my hind legs into his carnivorous stomach. I tried to spit the taste of puke out of my mouth. I want to leave. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, let me get myself first, uh, and he can check on you. I breathed a sigh of relief as the human exited the tent and tried not to look at the meal remains left behind. 
Most of these predators here ate meat, didn't they? It was a standard part of their diet. Marsal was a rare exception that refrained from such a horrid consumption. I couldn't have the vegetarian back at my side fast enough. My human returned with sleeping Lulia tucked against his chest. The gorged child had her leg fixed in a cast and seemed to be in better spirits after a few days. Remarkably, her spines were laying flat on her back despite being in a predator's clutches. Marcel rubbed the bristles, careless of the fact that that could extend a prickle him at any moment. Mark, I whined, please. His hazel eyes landed on the table. What the feck, man? You brought predator food around Slanek. Tyler glanced at his plate. Oh, th that's why he threw up. Crap, I I'm sorry, Slanek. I I I'm real sorry, bro. Get the feck out of here, Marcel growled. And for God's sake, take your crap-ass MRE with you. The other human grabbed his food and rushed away as my friend shot him a blistering glare. The redhead cupped her hand over Nulia's ears as she stirred, so she wouldn't see Tyler had been munching on. I don't think I was ever going to be able to look at meat-eating predator the same. That savage display made my skin crawl. I lowered my eyes. I'm sorry for making you yell at your friend. Shh! It's okay, Slenak. Let's go outside and get some fresh air, Marcel said. You'll feel better. Then we'll clean up that mess. Everything's going to be fine. My mind began to settle once we wandered out beneath the starlight. The red-haired human tickled Nudia's nose, making her giggle. It was clear he took a shine to the gojured child, despite the feeling that he harbored towards Sovlin and her species as a whole. I didn't understand how his brain operated sometimes. If you're happy and you know it, clap your paws, the human sang in a low voice, shooting a glance towards me. The kid slapped him on his chest, which I don't think was the instruction. If you're happy, the two bright orange flashes detonated on the horizon, striking the most populated regions of the settlement. Marcel's song died as he observed the explosions, and my own eyes widened with horror. I thought the Terrans were opposed to orbital bombardment. Why had these predators gone through the trouble of an invasion just to do that? Were they lashing out because they failed to capture their desired political targets? More bombs fell close behind, striking points across the skyline, with the undeniable intent of scoring casualties. Aircraft ripped through the sky, dispersing a trail of interceptors to avoid being shot down. They were searching for a flat stretch of land on the city's outskirts. Most likely, they wanted to touch down a shuttle and dispatch ground troops. The humans don't have aircraft like that, and they didn't land like that, which means... All Terran forces report to your extraction point. The UN fleet is engaging Arksaw hostiles above world. These orders carried over the radio, confirming my worst suspicions. But they have already attained a orbital superiority. Their intent appears to be glassing the planet. Any signs of weakness was the Arksaw's invitation to pounce. The sadistic predators must have sensed that something was off from the destruction of the Gojit border outposts. As they advanced to the core systems... The lack of resistance from patrol ships or FTL disruptors confirmed those suspicions. The Terran incursion left the system vulnerable to the true threat. Fear coursed through my veins and the nausea began to simmer again. Basing the greys after this miserable, irredeemable week was a dreadful thought. I felt like I was about to snap as things were. Meanwhile, the UN soldiers in the camp grabbed their weapons. They held no such reservations about drawing reptilian blood. I suspected fighting the Arxel was the reason most humans joined the Terran Reserves. Not good. We have to evacuate as many people as we can, my human crumbled. 
but I'm just going to get you two out of here. You're all that matters to me. Marcel withdrew his hand from his newly spines bristled, but didn't seem angered by the blood spots dotting his palm. He balanced a goaded child in his arms and knelt to let me climb onto his back. The weight proved difficult for him to handle. The predator grunted with exertion, shuffling forward in slow steps. The child's life comes first, obviously. We can't abandon her to a predator's whims like her mother did. Mark doesn't want to leave either of us behind. But it is too much. I disembarked. It was uncertain whether I could run more than a few minutes or keep up with human's long strides, but Nulia had no hope. If left to her own devices, her main leg, she couldn't walk on her own. Marcel knelt back down. Slanek, no! I- I'm not going to go anywhere without you. Listen, I can handle it. Nah, take the kid. I'll be fine, I managed. My slender legs trotted after the departing Terran soldiers, trusting that I could follow their footsteps. Two hands grabbed me from behind, and I yelped an alarm. My head snapped around, teeth bared with the intention to bite my assailant. There was a moment of hesitation as I realized it was Tyler, the very human Marcel had chased out of my tent. A shudder rippled down my spine. The last thing I wanted was the flesh-eater to stick his grubby paws on me, but it seemed to be the best solution for Marcel's sake, so I decided to tolerate the unwanted contact. My friend hesitated, seeing me squirm in discomfort. You've got Slanak, Ty. Yep, no man left behind. We stick together, Tyler replied. The blonde predator shifted me onto his back and jogged off with Marcel close behind. The human's breathing grew a bit more laborious, although I'd hardly call it panting. The predators ran for minutes without carving a dent into their stamina. There were merely a few beads of sweat on Tyler's neck that was odd. UN soldiers fanned out to the front of the entourage, on the lookout for threats. They were shepherding the vulnerable individuals behind them, rather than the every-man-for-himself mentality. Terran medics were evacuating any wounded or captives that could stand, including their own hobbled soldiers. They had their fair share of human injuries to grapple with. Some gojit prisoners attempted to flee as soon as they were released. They appeared in decent shape, while having been in a predatory custody. The humans made little attempt to stop them, watching them go with head shakes. The evacuation couldn't slow for fearful idiots unwilling to act in their own survival interest. A decent percentage heeded the Terran warning about the Arxol threat, falling into the pack. Perhaps they felt indebted to the prisoners, since many were civilians who would be dead without human intervention. It was unsurprising to see that Marcel wasn't the only one carrying an alien child, Marcy, Nudia wailed. Where are we going? We're going somewhere safe, darling, Marcel panted, accepting the nickname. I think if I tried to call him that, his reaction would be quite different. I need you to be brave. Think of it as a great adventure. Nothing can happen to you when you're with me, okay? I watched my human from my perch on Tyler's back. There was nothing adventurous about fleeing from an orbital raid. It was possible that nobody would make it off-world alive. A bomb could land atop the ground right now and disintegrate us. More Arxor craft descended through the atmosphere, eager to collect day's survivors as slaves. Bumble the cities across the globe, fill the few transports with cattle, and then finish off the rest. This was a story I'd seen before. Why did uh, so many of the Arxor shuttles get through when ours couldn't? I whispered, more to myself than anything. Tyler shied. We, uh, we did take control of the Goja defenses, uh, we haven't learned how to use them. My ears curled back as an explosion rocked the city wall a kilometer away. I was relieved that we escaped the confines of such swiftness. 
A few minutes slower and we would be toast. The humans carved a path through the local orchids, which took up much of the land outside the settlement. Grain fields rested past rows of plump trees, and I figured Terran craft would crunch down atop the stalks. At least we can land ships now. The sooner we're off this forsaken world, the better, I thought. I can't imagine how the Gojits feel, knowing their home world is all but lost. The Terrans must look friendly by comparison. Agitated chatter spawned at the head of the pack, and the humans slowed their pace. My gaze locked onto the galaxy's apex predators, who were spread out in search of lone civilians. I had never seen one of the Arxor in a person. It was merciful that we spotted them first. But they still stood between us and our presumed extraction point. Their tough grey skin was taut and scaly, forming ridges along their spines. Their long V-shaped snouts were perfect for snapping up prey. Serrated fangs shuttered from their mouths, even when they were closed. Onyx eyes were dialed to slits and tracked prey with jittery motions. Their bipedal plodding allowed them to lunge forward with unbelievable speed. My eyes zeroed in on the Arxel's soldier, tearing into an elderly gojud stomach. The poor guy was still alive, and his screams were audible from here. Younger specimens were being dragged away to serve breeding purposes or toil a slave. Monster, Nulia cried. Why scarier than Marcel? Uh, I want to go home. Marcel covered her eyes. Don't look, Nulia. We have to escape from the monsters. They, uh, destroyed your home. Fix it, she sobbed. Fix it now. I, I can't. I, I, I wish I could. The Terran soldiers leading the posse crept forward and waved for the group to continue. The Arxor nostrils flared as we drew within scent range. Something flashed in their eyes as they locked onto the humans. Was that interest? Did they recognize the puny primates as predators? UN forces opened fire on the greys and tried to seek refuge behind orchid trees. They were drawing the reptilians' attention to provide cover for our escape. We darted out into the open, and I prayed that the vessels circling overhead were friendlies. As if on cue, three ships with Terran insignia alighted on the grain field. Our human protectors were locked in a vicious firefight at the edge of my periphery. A few of them were strewn out in lifeless positions, the time they bought us was mere thirty seconds. We needed to be off the ground as soon as possible. The Arxel had wisened up to their version and lobbed their shots at the civilian entourage. Is it times like these I wish I had the human's narrow field of vision? I can see all of the terror and death happening around us at once. Tyler pushed himself to his maximum speed and dove into the open side of the transport. I dropped to the floor and clawed towards the rear of the aircraft. The blonde human asked if I was okay repeating my name several times, but I ignored him. My gaze was focused on the entrance, watching as several passengers climbed on. Dozens of people pushed into the craft, backed in on each other. The Gojuts were eyeing any boarding predators warily, but after what they saw outside, they realized the humans had better self-control. Wait, where was my friend? The engine revved to life, and I screamed at the pilots to stop. Oblivious to any inherent danger, I raced towards the window. Marcel was shouldering a wounded human alongside a medic, while still clinging to the kid. Bullets sailed around him, but he refused to abandon his compatriot. He hoisted the half-conscious predator into the vehicle, then staggered on board with the doctor. My human collapsed on the floor, groaning. The expression on his face spoke of pain, and I hoped that it was just exhaustion. I dashed to his side and whimpered at the sight of the crimson blood pooling around him. Marcel, your arm is wet, Nulia said. 
and sticky. Is it now? He murmured. Don't worry about it. I'm sure, uh, uh, sure it's fine. There was another red mark on his thigh. My predator appeared to have been shot twice during the fray. Why did Marcel insist on playing the hero every time the arc saw turned up? These wounds hit non-vital areas, at least, from what I knew about human anatomy. As long as the bleeding was stopped, he should survive. The spacecraft began to lift off, and I shouted for a medic. The Terran's efforts were undeniable, but the Gojit population numbered in a few billion. If even a hundred thousand made it off-world miraculously, it was simple math to figure the astronomical casualties. The Great Federation power was down to a few colonies and an endangered species overnight. Perhaps most concerning, the Arkthor knew there was another predator now. My eyes floated back to the window, watching the grey beasts shrink to the size of insects. I suspected tracking down the earthlings just became the top priority. End of chapter. Chapter 24. Memory transcription subject. Governor Tava of the Vendel Republic. Date. Standardized human time. September 28th, 2136. Eighteen days. That is how long had passed since the minutes-long speech, and the human ambassador hadn't been outside of his room since. I tried to occupy Noah by teaching him alien games and watching the happenings on TV. But while he never voiced his complaints, I could sense his agitation. Charson visited once a day, logging every aspect of Terran culture he could. The Zerudian Prime Minister appointed him ambassador to Earth, and the scientists were easy eager to squeeze everything from the opportunity. He subjected Noah to a myriad of personality tests, as well as asking him philosophical and ethical queries. The chocolate-skinned human was happy to play along, since it distracted him from the waiting. When the Chalson gave him a standard academic test in math and sciences, he was surprised to find Noah scored in the 80th percentile. That was much higher than expected, for a species that was hundreds of years behind our knowledge. The Zerudian testified before the Federation assemblage today, sharing his novel findings. With any luck, he would be the final speaker. These discussions had dragged on for too long for my liking. At least, that signaled it was an easy, unanimous verdict to war with humanity. Noah yawned, penning a final sentence in his journal. The Predator had been logging his thoughts throughout his experience, but would not let me view a word. I would love to know his unfiltered opinions. His secretiveness rubbed me the wrong way. I'm tired, Tava. Wake me up when the execution squad arrives, the Terran said sarcastically. Good night. I studied the dark circles under his eyes. Good night, Snower. Sweet dreams. The human tucked his notebook into the table drawer and shuffled out of the living area. I waited for the sound of his footsteps to recede. Running water reverberated for a few seconds before the spring of a bulky predator hitting the mattress reached my ears. My heart rate quickened as temptation to sip through his journal called to me again. Noah never has to know I looked. You know the alien sphere has taken its toll on him. Ultimately, it'll help being supportive and empathic, right? I took a deep breath and counted back from 200 in my mind. Satisfied that the human was drifting off, my paws meandered over to the table. The drawer slid out without a sound, and I lifted the diary. There was nothing wrong with, uh, just a peek. Surely? I flipped open a random page and began reading the first entry my eyes landed on. September 17th. An accidental smile sent Chalson fleeing in horror, and my heart is heavy with guilt. I'm surprised it took this long to happen. 
Tava had to chase him down and explain what the expression means. The Zerudian has tried to accept me, and he shrugged off my apology. But he's afraid of us, deep down. Like everyone is. Why didn't I wear the mask? Why can't I fit in? Anywhere. When I look in the mirror, I've begun to see myself as a predator. If there is a future where humanity can be healthy contributor to the galaxy, I don't know if I can picture it anymore. We want it. But that's not enough. The simple fact of the matter is, nobody wants us. Even the Venlil are still frightened by us. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells around them, trying so hard not to break them, because they're fragile and innocent. Sometimes, I let down my guard, but that rarely ends well. Tava said straight to my face that she thought I was a nasty-looking creature, no matter how much I tried to forget about it. Through all the laughs and conversation, that is what she thinks of me. Many feelings of attachment are one way, and I do well to remember that. Yes, there is a shared history now, and the Venlo wish no harm upon us, but they cannot be normal around monsters. Perhaps a better man, a better species, would cut them free, and never show their face again. Instead, I just return the sly, and pretend that we can make friends and stars. Dream on. I recoiled, guilt rushing through my veins. This writing sounded depressed and bitter, unlike the optimist persona he projected. Was Noah's self-image that low because of me? That comment that I made to Rissell wasn't at all what I thought of him now. Perhaps cabin fever packed wild ideas into his head, and this outlook was cheerier before the speech. My claws tugged back through the several pages until I reached an earlier entry. September 6th. Rissell is a wreck from being near me, but what am I to do? Throw myself into space. The visor, the mask, none of it makes a difference. My face feels constricted already, and the nerves are making me sick to my stomach. My indecisiveness on what bits of humanity to include might be the death of me, literally. The Federation will have a field day upon our arrival. I wonder if seeing me on television will be traumatic for small children. Perhaps I'll be posturized as the face of a new enemy. The question the Vendel asked when I first arrived left me taken aback, and this will be worse. Governor Tarpa is kind to help. Because of me, her species has lost every friend, and are left with a lot of primitive predators for company. Humanity disappoints on every front. The regrets must cross her mind daily. Yet she's too far committed now, so she sticks it out. My speech feels pathetic and inadequate before I've ever given it. I don't know why it hurts so much, when I understand they're all just afraid. Predators aren't supposed to have feelings, not. A pointed cough came from behind me. The human was standing with crossed arms, watching me with livid glare. That's private, Tava, Noah snapped, and my eyes lowered against my head. That was the first time I ever heard the ambassador raise his voice. You can't just go through my things. You were supposed to be sleeping. I took a few steps back instinctively, bringing the book on the table. I thought you seemed agitated, and I knew that you wouldn't tell me what's wrong. So I tell you no when you ask to read it, and you go snooping anyways, he growled. Well, congrats, you've dug up some dirt on a predator, Noah. You know that I'm so proud of you, don't you? I whined, tucking my tail between my legs. You have no idea how glad I am that I met you. Your kind never disappointed me. Humanity are wonderful friends that I'm siding against the entire galaxy to protect. You're trying to do the right thing, Tava. I appreciate your morality and compassion infinitely. 
But let's not pretend anymore. You have to repress your instincts all the time around me, and you find my appearance loathsome. My initial reaction was negative, yes, but I find you quite endearing. I didn't personally request you to represent your species because I'm disgusted by you. I've done nothing but worry about your safety since we came to Alpha. You... you mean that, really? You're telling me that you don't still think of me as a predator? You are my kind and charming friend. That's what I see when I look at you. You are the predator. You convinced me to give humanity a chance. I didn't think anyone else could have a personality bright enough to shine through that fear. Couldn't Noah understand our skittishness was part of us, like some predatory traits were just a part of him. There were certain attributes that were difficult to accept, but surely humanity could see how hard we were trying. The last thing I wanted for the Venlil instincts to have a detrimental effect on his mental health. Initiating contact should prove that there were few lingering fears in my mind. I flung my paws around Noah's waist, and his breathing tensed up. There was a brief hesitation for the ambassador. His stance emanated tiredness and frustration. The human wrapped his arms around me after I curled my claws into his skin incessantly and relaxed into my comforting embrace. The Terran ambassador withdrew. Tava, I'm serious. Don't go through my personal items without my permission. Ever again. I know. Sorry, I muttered. Mm. It's impossible to stay angry at you. Noah shook his head with disdain. You can get away with just about anything. The human stretched out on the couch, closing his predatory eyes. The lines on his face eased, and I watched as his breathing slowed. My own eyelids began to feel heavy, listening to the harsh rumbling of his snores. The big guy was so gentle and sweet, so intelligent and reliable. As I was about to drift off, the door to the diplomatic suite crashed open. Colchian's shoulders stood in the entryway, their eyes stretched wide when the predator snapped upright. Noah tried to collect himself and raised his hands in confusion. Seeing that the guards were waving him to come, he reached for his visor. I glared at him and snatched it away from his hand. I threw the metal at the wall as hard as I could. It broke into two pieces with a satisfying crunch. Noah looked stunned and apprehensive at the prospect of approaching the guards without it. He swallowed, then grabbed for his mask. My tiny claws scrabbled at his arm, and I shook my head at the human no gesture. The Terran ambassador looked uncertain, but stood up on the couch. The way the Colchians weren't attempting to blind him this time, a soldier barked the word follow, and began retracing the path to the assembly hall. Heated discussions were creating a clamor inside the chamber. We could hear it from a hundred paces away. The guards pointed at the podium, and Noah took obedient steps to the stage. Surprised exclamations rose from the crowd, as they saw the human in his uncensored form. Gerudium, the agitated Kratkotl from an earlier meeting, was emitting furious squawks at those provocative eyes. I shot a blistering glare towards him. We apologize for the delay, Chief Nikonis began, in a cordial tone. These are unprecedented circumstances, and we're struggling to reach any sort of decision. Has your treatment here been acceptable, Noah of planet Earth? The human dipped his head. Yes, thank you for your hospitality, gracious chief. Good. I'd never let anything like the Gojits did occur within my borders. The Colchim palmed an indigo tentacle across his nostrils. The Federation, as I am sure you know from the television, has sought all sorts of counsel on this matter. 
We reviewed your data sharing, consulted our own records, and brought in numerous experts to testify. It looked like many of them had conflicting perspectives, I said. Indeed, historians, xenobiologists, psychologists, zoologists, sociologists, lawyers, economists. We had them all. Several individuals who were trapped within Vendel borders testified too. And we had our own internal discussions. At last, we've tallied every vote. The Federation could prove to the ambassador that some species did desire friendship. Any impartial observer would find humanity worthy of a chance, or at least derive a reasonable doubt from their intricacies. My breath hitched my throat, and I squeezed Noah's hand for support. The predator's palm was damp with sweat. Nikonus cleared his throat. All right. The count of members who voted that humanity cannot be allowed to exist, or should be treated as a hostile party are... Uh, 38. I tilt my head. Should we be disappointed that the figure was so high, or relieved that the proportion was only a little over 10%? That was a lot of species ganging up on a single planet. Plenty of threats for the predators to vent off. Take that, you stupid human! Jerulium chirped. You're all going to be dead soon! There will be no commentary from the audience until I've finished reading the results. The chief spat. Sixty-five members voted to no contact or relations with humanity, which entails total isolation of Earth. I glanced towards the predator. There was more hurt in his eyes after that figure was read than after hearing the ones who wished him dead. Knowing how much humans craved acceptance, they didn't want to be shunned. The rest of the options had to be more promising, didn't they? Nikonis squinted at his nuts. Seventy-four species are undecided, with fifty-two specifying that they are awaiting news from the Gojid war zone. Those are a coin flip. Some might just take kindly to the fact that predators attacked the Federation homeworld. Then again, it will be apparent that human morality is leagues above the Arxals. One hundred and seven species vote in favor of a temporary truce, or working together where necessary to defeat the Arxor. Any violation of express conditions will lead to an immediate return to hostilities. My ears perked up. After cooperating against the Arxor, some Federation members might become ingratiated to humanity. It could bridge the gap to normal relations though I doubted we could call upon their assistance in regards to the species maintaining contention with Earth. Who the feck voted for that? Jerulium squawked. My species did, for one. The Colchian leader replied, Er, uh, if that will be acceptable to the humans, of course. Noah nodded, shuffling as he expected to leave. Yes, it will. We want the Oxal gone from this galaxy, and an enemy of an enemy is a friend to us. Thank you for your time, and giving us a chance. Wait, human. Eleven members voted in favor of opening full diplomatic relations. This would involve forming trade, military, and border agreements. If you know anything of the sort, I suggest you ask Tarva for guidance. If those concepts confuse you. The ambassador raised a hand to his mouth, no doubt hiding his bared teeth. Perhaps he was amused by Nokonis' assumption that predators would have no concept of negotiation. Primarily... I believe that Noah's moved by the fact that humanity would return with new friends. It was a tiny number, less than 5%, but it wasn't zero. That counted for something. Overall, the results could have gone much worse. 
If the neutral, isolationist species were counted as in our favor, the majority of the Federation voted against humanity's extinction. Judging by the furious expression sprinkled across the chamber, I wasn't sure every species was going to accept that. So, uh, many of you would side with them over this, Gerudium screech. Defend our appeasy humanity like they were civilized species. Anyone who stands with predators is dead to the crocattle. The avian ambassador dive-bombed over the chieftain's cubicle and slashed his talons at the elderly Koshian. Nokona shielded his face with his tentacles, and nearby soldiers rushed to his aid. Gerudium flapped his wings in a frenzy, pledging that anyone that stood with humanity would share their fate. Had the crack cottle forgotten whose planet he was on? Other ambassadors launched into shouting match, and a few made violent gestures towards the human. I didn't want to know what the unfriendly ones were suggesting. Several individuals were trading blows, grappling right in front of the media cameras. A pair of Colchian guards hurried us out of the chamber before the Predator could get swept up in the chaos. Noah shared a glance with me, and I knew that tumultuous unrest stirred in his own concerns. This vote could start a major rift within the Federation. End of chapter. Chapter 28 Memory Transcription, Subject Governor Tarpa of the Vendel Republic. Date, Standardized Human Time, September 28, 2136. Armed Colchian steered us into the docking area, where we landed upon our arrival. Our previous shuttle was outfitted with supplies, since the chief granted us permission to return home on a pre-arranged route. The soldiers fell back several steps and monitored the human for any threatening moves. One of them curled their lip at me, briefly. Noah settled down on the empty crate, clutching a knapsack that contained his meager belongings. He met the soldier's gaze without blinking, staring was a contest of dominance, whether that was an intention or not. The Colchians gripped their rifles tighter and slunk back towards the entryway. You're gawked at all the time, Noah, I whispered, not saying it's right, but I don't suggest that smoldering stare-downs as a response. It'll trickle their instincts in the ways that you don't want. I don't care how they look at me. But they're not going to look at you with disgust and hatred. If they want a problem, they can pick on someone their own size, he growled, loud enough for the guards to hear. Aggression and protectiveness were not the persona to exhibit on the verge of our first diplomatic encounter. The Federation representatives would see it as a predator cowing his observers. I appreciated his loyalty, but humans were a little too defensive of their friends at times. Those soldiers weren't entitled to their opinions. Thank you, but it's fine. A lot of people think I'm a disgrace to the Federation, and aren't happy that I imprisoned their people. I studied the guards' expression, noticing how their skulls deepened at my words. Nikonis didn't even discuss consequences for the Vandal. So you agree with them? You had noble reasons for what you did. They can't find fault with that. Well, I've single-handedly fractured the Federation beyond repair. I guess that makes me a traitor to most folks. You're a hero to all humankind, Tava. Twelve species in the galaxy who would even try to befriend us. We met what might be the only one who would try, before there was a shred of proof to our claims. Don't think that we'll forget what the Venlil have risked. I pressed my claw into his lips, and flicked my ears towards the doorway. The soldiers had snapped to attention, breaking their deadlock with this irate predator. That could only mean someone was approaching. The human needed to make a good first impression, Flattering us at the expense of the rest of the galaxy wasn't going to win hearts and minds. 
and Violet's skin Colchian paddled its way into the hangar bay, clearly resisting the urge to grab his sidearm. His steps faltered once he was within pouncing distance of Noah, like a magnificent force was repelling him from the human. The familiar officer crept to my side, using me as a living shield. How has he still not grasped that Noah doesn't have a violent bone in his body? Didn't our journey here prove that much? The Terran ambassador grinned. Rissell! I was worried that you were rotting in a cell. The caution rubbed his forehead. Ah, he was, until the Commonwealth finalized our decision on humanity. Chief Nikonis agreed that I had the moral imperative to intervene and pardon me on all counts. I did receive a disciplinary mark for my methods, though. What do you mean? Noah asked. While Nikonis agrees with my rationale, we can't have officers running around shooting their captains. I don't think I had time to go through proper channels, but uh, whatever. I see. So you're free. Uh, why did you come here, of all places? Nikonis offered me an appointment as military liaison to Earth, and I accepted. My eyes widened, as did the ambassador's dilated ones. I thought the result hated being around predators. By his own admission, living around humans was a nightmare for him, and he couldn't fathom prolonged exposure to them. Noah shrugged his chin in confusion. You want to be around predators, General, and talk about war tactics. Don't you hate the thought of having one of us within a hundred miles? Forgive me if I've caused offense, Noah. Seeing your chemistry with Tava, I think that we could be great friends. The Colchian shuddered as he tried to meet the Predator's gaze. Others seem to adapt quicker and easier than me. But I don't want to give up, Trudy. Do you think that you can work past your fear? I asked gently. Have you identified what triggers such a severe reaction? I enlisted on a starship when I was nine. I don't recall another way to feel towards Predators. It may take an unreasonably long time for me to work past those behaviors. And I would take unconsiderable coaxing from you all. I can't imagine what this is like from Noah's perspective. I'm not sure I'd have the patience. If you'd like a different liaison, I understand. Sympathy flashed in Noah's eyes. Rissell, we're willing to help you every step of the way. I just don't know why you want to endure those, uh, Phoenix, that's, uh, it seems unfair to you. Humanity made me realize that we are stronger than the sum of our fears. That there is something other than being afraid. I haven't got there yet, but I am grateful for that. Can you accept my apology? There's uh, nothing to forgive. Your emotions are out of your control. The edge dissipated from the human sonorous voice, replaced by a warm tone. We'll figure this out together. No matter how long it takes. G -g Great. Uh, now, uh, there's other diplomats coming, so I'm going to make preparations. Rissell skidded off to the farthest corner of the hangar bay and began prepping his second shuttle. That was a smart idea, since it was likely the entire crowd would fit in a single vessel. Hell, I doubted some of them would want to ride in a tiny box with a human for days. The first officer was probably thrilled to charter his own ship for that exact reason. I watched the Colchian shoot furtive glances towards us and pondered why his species hadn't agreed to full diplomatic relations. Chief Nikonis didn't appear hostile to humanity, and displayed more fairness than I anticipated. The prospect of harm befalling Noah seemed to offend him, even. When my expectations were little more than fraseal hearing, a genuine debate was astounding. I guess Nikonis didn't propose a full partnership, because he doesn't believe humans can reciprocate their cordiality in a meaningful way. Nonetheless, I thought the Colchian Commonwealth might come around as an ally. 
They had already seized the initiative by sending a military liaison. Even those guards were angered by my lack of accountability, rather than Noah's presence. Maybe it was just too large of a leap for most governments to make at once. Now Zerulian ambassador, Kaoshan, skittered into the room. Something seemed to have been bashed against his head, and green blood trailed down his snoot. The furry scientist looked unsteady on his feet, but it was a good sign that he wasn't shy of Noah in this wounded state. It violated every prey instinct to wander up to a predator like this. Noah squinted with concern. Oh, you're right, Charlson. Please, let me take a look at that. What happened? I gasped. The Zerudian sighed. Ugh. A bunch of people rushed to leave the chamber when the fight broke out. Someone clubbed me over the noggin. Didn't see who. Probably because I testified with generous view on humanity. The pundits think I swayed some hostile votes to undecided. All that for sharing a synopsis in human morality, Noah said. I'm sorry. I never wanted you to be assaulted. It's fine. The scientist licked the foreleg absentmindedly, smoothing out his brown fur. I'll look tougher now. When I force you to take me to your planet. Ha! Even Tarva won't go to Earth. Why not? You haven't invited her? Oh, uh, it's complicated. But Elias Meyer, our leader, extended an invitation. Had the Herbivore's Banquet, light music, and a tour of New York City in the works. Tarva refused. I swished my tail in indignation. It's a different story after the experiments, Noah. You think I was going to wander into a city with ten million predator residents less than a month after we met, before anyone ever saw how you behaved in packs? Noah opened his mouth to respond, but snapped it shut as he saw Chief Nikonis leading a group of diplomats towards our ship. These must be the species that constituted the affirmative votes for open relations with Earth. None of them had been brave enough to make introductions yet. Our Zerudian friend was a sole exception. It didn't surprise me to see the Civ Kits or the Poltens in the mix. Their centrally located territories were far enough away that they thought that they could keep humanity at arm's length and control or minimize the interactions. Even predators wouldn't start off for the beaten path to gain a foothold. Us neighboring species were easier to invade first. Then there were the Yotl and the latest uplifts. Adapting to the galactic arena was difficult for a species that just discovered steam power. I couldn't imagine how the Venlol would have processed the Federation's vast knowledge in our infancy. Of course, if the Yotl's industrialism tipped us off to their presence, the Arxel might find them too. It was the lesser evil to flood them with information and give them a fighting chance. Twenty-two cycles after first contact, the marsupials tired of the derision from the counterparts. Most species dismissed them as primitives, with poor scientific understanding and little to offer as allies. The Federation's military saw the Yotl as a liability and wouldn't take their suggestions seriously. Gaining a backing of predators was a calculated risk to coerce some respect from their peers. So far, no surprises. The Tafki seek protection, since there are only about 12,000 members of their species left alive. Well, not in captivity. The Nevoks and the Fizzins are trading juggernauts that don't want to go the way of the Gojids. I squinted in apparent confusion. Was that a Mazic resident amongst their ranks? Perhaps this was the, not the assemblage of friendly species, after all. It wasn't even a personal representative or aide. He was the only official dignitary I observed in the group. Noah tensed, as he also spotted the beige-skinned mammal. I doubted my friend had forgotten who interrupted him at every turn. Copper, 
was rather outspoken against humanity, mocking the Terran ambassador for his eyes and criticizing simple arguments. Is the alien with the trunk here just here to make trouble? The mazik, you said. The human whispered, echoing my thoughts. Them and the Krakotl were the ones who couldn't stand my presence. Kupo swished his trunk. Your closing argument about the hypothetical of friendship was profound. We are, in fact, desperate enough that there is nothing to lose. Am I not welcome here? I didn't mean for you to overhear that comment, Mazik. My apologies. If you desire diplomacy, I would not turn you away. Noah lowered his voice to its minimum, and unpursed his lips in mistrust. Damn, Tava. Those massive ears must be sharp. I snorted. No, your ears are just bad. The human sighed. That's hardly the worst thing you've said about us. I studied the waiting crowd, while the injured Nikonus bore no intention of making the journey to Vendel's space. He opted to send us off himself. There was more sharpness in his glare than fear. He wasn't shaking or whining, the way that resulted, though I appreciated the officer's efforts. Perhaps there were better candidates to represent the Colchians. As for the newcomers, the Zerulian was prancing around the human in circles. Carlson couldn't contain his excitement. He was the only ally eager to get up close and personal with the Flesh Eater. Meanwhile, the Sivkit diplomat looked like she was about to pass out, standing across from a predator. Logical talk of borders and distance didn't mean much when she was going to be strapped in its lair. The Mazak president had the same suspicion in his eyes from the pivotal meeting, I don't think he trusted Noah's demeanor not to shift the second we took off. There was a dossier representative present, I realized, but the tiny rodent was hiding behind Kapo's bulky form. That size differential could only make the lumbering predator more daunting. That makes my count ten species plus the Colchians. Maybe the last one is running late for some reason. Their representative might have had a panic attack. You're going to take the yodel? I thought humans already invented the wheel. The Nevok representative sneered. A few chuckles came from the gathering, and even the Colchian chief struggled to maintain a neutral expression. The Yotl glowered at his critic, then fired a nervous glance towards the human. I suppose the general assumption was that predators would shun any species with weaker technology. It was tough to imagine that friendship was their end rather than their means. If anything, I think supposed weakness roused the Terran's protectiveness. Noah and Sarah were most partial to us in our moments of vulnerability. Judging by how my friend's lips curved down, he wasn't pleased with the Nevik's humiliation of their peer. We have plenty to offer, Tosa. The marsupial snapped. Maybe these predators will be less stupid than you, and see that. Tosa flicked his ears back. Like what? Name one thing that makes you valuable, especially compared to the rest of us. For one thing, we're the only ones here that weren't around for that vote. You know, the one where you unanimously decided to wipe out all life on Earth. Even the Venlil have that baggage. Silence fell over the assemblage. Trepidation played at the representatives' expressions, as their fiery yodel reminded them of their prior decisions. Perhaps I could afford to issue a formal apology on the matter myself, though it hadn't been my government that arrived at that conclusion. It must be tough for the predators to forget our role in the planned execution. Humanity welcomes all parties, of all backgrounds. The ambassador cleared his throat. Irritation flashing in his eyes. There's no need for derisive rhetoric, or to prove yourselves by putting others down. We're a small group. We need to band together. He's right. There's too much at stake here. Quit acting like children, I growled. Hush. 
On that unpleasant note, I must warn you that siding with us may put you at odds with your friends and neighbors. This is your last chance to turn back. Noah blinked in surprise as every party lingered. That was a risk they already considered leaving the acrimonious conference. All right then, let's board the shuttle and get the show underway. The UN would be delighted to receive a proper diplomatic envoy, but I knew I had to temper their expectations. There would be missteps along the way, and few species would act as casual as us. It took a long time to be comfortable around predators. Familiarity was the final phase of the adjustment period, which certain prey sapiens might never achieve. At least now, humanity knew where they stood with the Federation. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the Tier 5 members, Marky, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnold, Oakfield, Lord Azrakal, and it's difficult to pronounce. Thank you very much.